All right, beautiful. Well, hello and welcome, Alicia, to Sharing Sacred Wisdom. Thank you so much for agreeing to come upon the show. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, me too. We were just talking about <laughs> how the physiology of excitement is very, well, mm. it's exactly the same as nerves. And I could definitely feel that like rising up in me right now. Yeah. And I'm just like, it's excitement. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's excitement for me, but I think a little nervous at the idea of the unknown yeah. um, and being vulnerable. Um, yeah. But you were creating a beautiful, safe space here for me. Mm, yeah, for me as well, definitely. Yeah. That safe little bubble between the two of us. Yeah, yeah it's amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for mm. coming on and agreeing to have this conversation. My and, pleasure. Um, so, Alicia, right now, I'm au pairing for her with her two beautiful children mm. and her husband. Um, and honestly, you have been such a huge inspiration for me when it comes to being a female role model, not only in your position as a mother, but as a woman. And one of the things that we've continuously kind of come back to is who we are as women and what kind of has shaped that for us in our lives. And so I wanted to dive right in with that theme and go into um, what have been like the patterns that you've witnessed or received in your life as a woman Mm. and what has helped you shift that into becoming the woman that you are today that's a really great question um so when if i think about the the women in my life in my family Mm -hmm. um the ones that i grew up with and that i know um, i think about my mom and i think about her mom and my dad's mom and all were extremely strong women um, in the sense that they really held the family together. Um, they, you know, my dad's mom is, is a mother of 10 children mm-hmm. and they came over from Northern Ireland um, in the early 60s um, from a very hard time over there and she was the, the, the matriarch of the family um, and uh, really ran everything and, and held everyone together mm. um, and when I see my mum's mum um, not as many kids just yeah. four which these times is still, still a lot, lot. yeah um, and <clears throat> came from a working class family um, not a lot of money and um, there was alcoholism um, mm. with my grandfather and so she was really strong too in that she held the family together and and worked full time and and kept everything going at, at a time when women didn't usually work yeah. when um, women were their role was at home with the family and having done that role for the last four years with my four and two year old mm. that is the full time job and so yes. to do that as well um, so then I think my my mum saw that and then took the same um, patterns into her marriage and and into her being a mother. And um, so it's amazing in one sense that there's that strength um, and that ability to hold the space for everyone else and to um, keep things going. Um, You know, she then became a single mom and had four kids. I'm I'm one of four myself. um, And 
so she you know I think we're all amazing all of us kids and really well-rounded caring compassionate people and that's you know largely due to my mum yeah um so I definitely that that lesson came along of compassion for me yeah Oh, well, I guess it was sort of ingrained in, in a way um, and not being aware of it. Uh, but I think as I've gotten older and travels probably mm. a lot to do with it, um, the work that I do, so I work in child protection um, and disability services and, mm. and working with kids, well, I have done for the last 10, 11 years, working with kids who have um, trauma backgrounds yeah. and have have been removed from their families and are in the care system and um, so really needing to have compassion and understanding and empathy for them and what they've been through because what they exhibit is quite antisocial behaviours of aggression and violence of Mm. of really pushing away. Um, On the surface that can be really hard to deal with and and can be labelled as you know criminal or difficult or you know, their their little shits or, you know, whatever. They need to be punished and these sorts of things. So really understanding the the impact that trauma has on the development of the brain, on on, um, development of attachments and how that then is the template, the worldview of of the world. So Mm. these kids, what they're really doing when they're lashing out like that is saying, I need you, but I don't know... How to ask for that. Yeah, I need something. You know, all behaviour has a function and... And so having that deeper understanding in that context um, has really helped me to transfer it to other aspects of of my life. Yeah, yeah. Um, And to understand that everyone has a story, everyone Mm. has a history, and they're all, we all have the same needs for connection, for for love, for understanding, Um, just to name a few, you know, so they're just finding that's the only way they know how to meet those needs. And just um, to bring it back a little mm, bit to yeah. your mother, like how do you feel like that that sense of compassion and the perspective that you have now mm. and the work that you do now, do you feel like it relates back a little bit to the women in your family and how they held it together and how they were capable of really witnessing their children's needs and showing up for that the best that they could? Yeah, yeah, well, and that's it, just doing the best with what they could. Mm. Um, and I value that. But I've also seen over the last few years more and more as I just become more emotionally intelligent and, and mm. more self-reflective um, that it's meant that when things are hard for me, um, I don't reach out to people. I yeah. keep it, I hold it together. Yeah. There's <laughs> this idea that you have to do it all by yourself. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Because my, the women before me didn't have that luxury of of breaking what? down of reaching out you know because either in that generation of my grandmother you didn't talk about these sorts of things you would there's never no space for it there's no space there's no support it's just judgment mm. so mm-hmm. you know the fact that she was a working mother was scandalous enough oh, you know really? but to yeah. say that there was struggling with alcoholism and and um you know just those, struggle were, those struggles were probably so common as well. Yeah. Like women were probably all going through it. So yeah. it's like this idea of talking about it would have just been like, keep that to yourself. We're yeah. all going through our stuff, yeah. you know? Yeah. Exactly. Like why would you burden us with that? Yeah. And then mm. if the option of leaving wouldn't was, was not there Oof, because there was not. no social security um, 
and again, you know, you would you would be shunned in the yeah in the community. community. Um, mm. Even for my mum, it was it was harder. But at least you know she, there was more social support in terms of money yeah. to buy groceries, you know, and yeah. to support her to pay the rent, mm-hmm. those sorts of things. Um, but still, you know, she didn't tell anyone when they got divorced. She was like, I just got to hold it together. I, I can do this. I can look after yeah. the things for myself. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And now that I'm in a space where I, I have the privilege to be able to um, seek out that support, yeah. I just haven't had the tools to, to know to how know to. How to. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm. And how do you mm. feel like you've... Because I really, I see you and I see someone who is so open mm. and so sharing and mm. so expressive. Um, but I could definitely also see, I mean, even for myself, like I've got so many layers to my being. And as much yes. as people can perceive me in a certain way, I also hold my own conditioning, my mm. own patterns that I'm working on breaking. Yeah. And so when I see you, I see someone mm. who does have really incredible tools when it comes to reaching out and yeah. and sharing their story and sharing their, their feelings and their needs. Mm. So how do you feel like you've made that transition from not really having those tools to acquiring them and then putting them into practice? Yeah, I think it's been a, a long journey. Mm. Um, I could probably say there was a moment about maybe seven years ago where I had, you know, so working in human services, working in child protection, it can be tough. And um, I'm sure a lot of people, if there's anyone listening who has done that kind of role, they know that you can burn out. You really Mm. need to access support. And, you know, it's not a, it's not an, um, a job where you have these tools like a hammer or you know a piece of mm. equipment to yeah. you're the tool yes your emotional well you know your yeah. emotional self is the, is the tool that line between work and and your own personal yeah. set of emotions is kind of blurred in a yeah. sense yeah. yeah and so I did come close to burnout and I sought um, support from a psychologist at that time and she really helped me to identify where I was at in terms of my emotional intelligence mm. and that it was all right you know, I was able to reflect after yeah. the fact, but um, she really highlighted for me that there is a higher level of, in, of intelligence where you can be in the moment mm. and, and experiencing a feeling, a big feeling, and know what that is and be able to articulate that yeah. and then be able to express what your needs are mm. you know, in that moment. Mm. Um, so I think from then I've kind of been on that journey and... Sometimes it's not being, I'm not being so great at it, but just having that awareness that that is another level has helped me to have something to work towards. Yes. Um, and yeah. having a partner, Damien, my husband, who is um, very uh, emotionally aware mm. um, and also someone I look up to because he, he, he wants to strive to be better. Yeah. So he's, you know, gently nudges me along sometimes <laughs> yeah. um, and then is able to hold the space after a situation and say mm. yeah let's talk about that you know yeah. you were saying this you did this it was mm. um that was really great like getting feedback I oh, guess from him so amazing yeah and um, him being quite energy sensitive as well I guess yes. it makes it easier for him to witness when you're going through something yeah. in that moment yeah easier and than for me sometimes exactly yeah and that's what's so beautiful about it because yeah. he is capable of being that mirror for you and, and encouraging you into mm. stepping into okay so right now you're going through something what is it that you're experiencing what are your needs yeah. and how because he strives to be that better man constantly yeah it's how can I show up better for you and that yes. moment yes yeah. and I think 
it's just in terms of the practice stuff it's that like practice that in the beginning when you learn a new skill you're really awkward and yeah. you have to be oh, really yes. <laughs> aware of each little step that you're doing mm. it's kind of clunky like seeing a, a baby crawl and then walk it, it trips over a little yeah. bit yeah but then it gets up and it yeah. continues and you and can then see how much they're concentrating on it yeah, yeah so that it's been that kind of process where it hasn't come naturally so I've had to be really present in the moment and be saying to myself okay you're feeling this mm. articulate this yes. you know try different ways of expressing yourself mm. um, and just doing that again and again yeah. and um, keeping on practicing <laughs> yeah and that's so incredible because I see you with your kids mm. and with your children. You are so, so, so amazing when it comes to, once again, being that emotional mirror for them. Mm. Like they're, they're two and four now. And so they have, of course, very little understanding of what they're experiencing emotionally yeah. and how they're being affected by the energies in their environment. And yeah, I just see you showing up and whenever they're upset, of course, you're there physically for mm. them, but you're also there to ask them questions mm. or to tell them like right now you're tired or yeah. you're frustrated. That must have been scary. Like, mm. like kind of just um, helping them have a better understanding of what it is that they're experiencing and why they might be experiencing it. Yeah. And I'm just wondering, so because you are working in social services mm. and because you've had to work with so many children that have experienced trauma and kind of have these behaviors that you were saying mm. can be labeled as troublesome or even criminal sometimes, yeah. but not associating that behavior to who they are instead of kind of witnessing it and, and witnessing the needs that are behind that. Yeah. Do you feel like, first of all, what really got you into that line of work and how do you feel like that influenced who you are as a mother? Mm. <laughs> Hugely, I have to say. I, well, I, it just seemed that, of course, I would go into human services. Mm. It was never really um, a choice I feel like I actively made. Yeah. And I think a big part of that is, you know, the role of women in our society and, and tending to go towards those um, more caring, um, nurturing, fields, nurturing yes. fields. Yeah, so I feel like part of it was happening around me as I was conditioned or socialized to, to take on that sort of work. Um, and, you know, uni studied social science and from the beginning was working in, I started in aged care and then working in mental health and disability services. Um, even overseas doing that kind of work, mm. always with people. Mm. Um, and then when I came back to Australia in 2009, I was just looking at different jobs and this just really spoke to me. Yeah. The organisation and its values and what it was doing, I thought, well, I'm up for a challenge. And mm. so big I, one. I sort of dived into that. Um, but then thinking about it as how it's influenced me as a person and as a parent, as a mother, hugely and partly because of what you said you know seeing you know what is driving those behaviors that that kind of empathy and compassion that you need to take with the kids who have um, trauma history and, and quite complex um, needs and, and challenging behaviors um, you need to see past that because otherwise they just push your buttons and, and you just can't manage um, and then Part of my role within that organization after a couple of years was less working directly with the kids and more training staff. So training staff in therapeutic crisis intervention, which is about essentially about 
giving workers tools and strategies to um, hold the space for a young person who doesn't have the emotional regulation skills to yeah. manage their own emotions. So exactly like you see Charlie, my two-year-old. Yeah. And, and to an extent, Finn as well, he's still learning these, these strategies. They have a big feeling and it's, they're completely overwhelmed. Yeah. And they need the world. us. Yeah, they need us to co-regulate. Mm. That's what I'm doing when I'm giving her a hug, when I'm helping her to calm down, yeah. when I'm identifying her feelings in that moment. I'm helping her to co-regulate. And mm. when that happens over and over and over and over and over, then eventually she internalizes that and then yes. she has the skills herself to do that. So even though... At work, it's it's understanding things from a trauma background. It's coming from that same perspective of curiosity, of yes. acceptance, mm. of empathy, um, and really role modeling your own self-regulation skills yes. and not getting caught up in the whirlwind of theirs. Um, so skills in that as well, like how do I not just... Ah! Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Explode. I... You know, allow it to become your own frustration. Yes, yes. Because it's not always going to turn out perfect. It's not always going to work. Like it's not because you have the skills and you have mm. the tools that you'll that the child will necessarily respond in that moment because yes. they're still going through their own stuff. And, exactly. And they're in their own world. And as much as yeah. you want to help them, that's that's not always accepted. No, no, yeah. no, definitely not. <laughs> Sometimes it's just holding that space. Mm. Um, and knowing when my buttons are being pushed and having an awareness of that. Yeah. Um, so all of that is part of the TCI, the therapeutic crisis intervention that we train. And because I trained it for years and years and um, you know, over and over again, it's really, and, and I believe in it, I see how it works. Oh, you know, yes. I, I really feel passionately about that therapeutic approach with, with kids with trauma backgrounds. Yeah. Um, that the, the sort of more punitive authoritarian approaches is not helpful oh, no. when these kids... That's what got them there in a ex- Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, that I use that a lot with my with my kids. And I think a lot of people, if anyone knows the TCI, um, I know I can speak for some colleagues that I have mm-hmm. who have kids or family and or even in the training room, you know, new staff would come in and they come, um, they'd have their first day of training and then they'd come back. So it's a three-day course. Yeah. Come back. I was TCI and my husband ah, yesterday. I was going to oh. say, you could definitely apply that to literally anyone oh, in your life. Yes. I mean, not to, not to treat everyone as children, because sometimes people can get a little bit yes. offended by that. Yes. But still, it's a way to, of, to sh- of showing up, you yeah. know, and, and being there and holding space for people. Exactly. And from a curious perspective, yes. I think, um, from an understanding, accepting perspective. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because like I said before, you know, everyone has their story. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that people, I would assume, and certainly this is my experience with, with the kids I've worked with, um, there isn't joy in that space no. for them to feel so angry and fearful. It's not something anyone aspires to. No, definitely not. They're not wanting to be no. like that. They're not wanting to push love away or to no. to be angry and frustrated and and hateful yeah. almost because it does get to that point where they hate people, they hate yeah. the world because that's the mirror that they've gotten back exactly. from their parents and from their environment. Yeah, yeah. And and no mm. one wants to be in that space. But it's like when you don't have the tools for it, then how do you how do you work your way out of it? How do you yeah. gain the understanding that the world is safe, that people are safe, that and of course it's not 
the world and people are not always safe. No. But there are, there is that safe space that does exist and it can be really, really mm. difficult for, for anyone, especially people coming from a background of trauma, yeah. to be able to reformulate their perspective on the world to yeah. a place where they feel love and joy yeah. and so it is so important to have yeah. people like you and the people that you train mm. to be able to to understand their behavior mm. and to not respond the way that they're used to people exactly. responding because that's the thing it's like yeah. their behavior gets them that confirmation you know if, if a child is constantly um full of rage and and really like po not even poking at you but like going, you. <laughs> going at you strongly yeah. yeah your like your initial instinct will want to be to like either push the kid away and be like you know what i'm just not going to deal with you and, and fully reject them yeah or to be aggressive back yeah. and that's that comes in and confirms their idea of the world instead of when you show up and and you you accept the fact that they're in that space and instead you come in lovingly and compassionately and wanting to understand them yeah. and even helping them understand themselves like that yeah. if that continues to happen for them like mm. that's how shifts happen that's exactly. how people become happy adults from even coming from backgrounds that w would have brought them to a place where they wouldn't have had the tools to be happy adults exactly and the more we know and learn about um how amazing the brain is at adapting and then readapting because mm. you know in the past it was this idea of well they're damaged yeah and that's it yeah exactly you know brain nothing changing, changing. Yeah, yeah exactly mm. but what we're knowing now about the the, the about neuroplasticity yes. about how um amazing the brain can be at readapting in the in the right environment and in, in exactly what you're saying um, and in challenging that worldview that they have mm. of themselves and of others that um, can take a lot of time. Oh, yeah. Because those those patterns are deep. Um, Very deep, yeah. But definitely possible in, that right, in the right space, yeah. Oh, 100%. Mm. 100%. And I really feel that that's kind of like the shift that's happening in the world right now is that mm. like we've gone through generate, as we were talking about in the beginning with... Yeah the women in your family and how it's it seems that there is definitely like a generational pattern continuously being passed down mm -hmm. and at this moment it seems like there's a huge breaking of patterns happening where women children like people in general are becoming mm -hmm. a lot more aware of the fact that emotions especially are not being addressed yeah. or not being addressed in a way where there is like a positive outcome to them yeah that they have so much power yes yeah in, in how we live mm -hmm. <laughs> in how we communicate and how we see the world and then how that informs any decisions that we make yeah yeah, yeah. I think we're in a very privileged at least for those who have mm. that um, ability to reflect to recognize the power of those emotions we're very privileged to we be are. able to do that a hundred percent yeah and mm. one thing that I really want to talk about with mm. you and that really coincides with this idea of breaking patterns mm. and recognizing our emotions in a sense and being able to make better more enlightened decisions based on that is um, your your story with pregnancy and with birth mm. because I like we've had really really beautiful conversations yeah. surrounding um, women's empowerment mm. surrounding their birthing process mm. and I've been so so lucky to be able to be around you and other beautiful women yeah. that have all given birth and have mm. really really 
like centered themselves within that process mm. and recognized what their needs were and what their child's needs were yeah. in those moments instead of just kind of following that that structure of like okay going to the hospital for all of these checkups and then allowing the doctor to take over the process yeah so what was that like like what where in your life did you start questioning that process and how mm. how did you how did you dive into what it was that you wanted from from your birthing experience yeah. because it was a big learning curve mm. for for both of us because i see that Damien was as much a part of that journey as, as I was. Um, well, I think I didn't have, my mum had all good, relatively good labour and birth. Mm -hmm. She had one, one of my sisters, because I have two sisters, was induced and she said that that was just horrible. Mm -hmm. um, but the rest were natural births, very quick natural births. Um, and still in a hospital and still on her back and I, you know, still with the doctor. Mm. <laughs> telling her to push um, but certainly without the sort of intervention like with um, oh, actually she had some pain relief with me but I guess what I'm saying is that I hadn't taken on any super traumatic yeah, birthing, births, stories. birthing stories so I didn't hold the fear that a mm. lot of women hold and yes. certainly for my experience being born because we hold, hold on to that too that helps in, in yeah, informs um our then experience in in birth um my mum doesn't speak of it um in a bad way yeah you know oh, it's really she good. speaks of it positively mm. if not was hard which it is um <laughs> so i guess i wasn't holding on to that fear to begin with and then friends of mine started having babies and friends that, whose opinions i really respected and um, one of them mentioned that she was getting a doula. Mm. Like, what's a doula? <laughs> and uh, she, her partner's French Canadian, and, and I think it's more pop it's popular at least in that part of Canada. They no were living idea. in Montreal. You didn't know? So, yeah, it's so oh, funny because well, I'm actually from Montreal, and yeah. I, like I had never heard yeah. of doulas before coming to Australia. And most people haven't. And so, where I was at their place one night for dinner, and they were interviewing some doulas, and I just got some insight mm. into. The business of birth, I will say, and how this particular doula, who they didn't end up going with, but who was a, also had been a midwife, was saying that she supports women in private hospitals to help them advocate for a natural birth because, um, you know, doctors will often um, schedule um, inductions or, cesare or planned cesareans around their schedule, yeah. and this this information just shocked me. Yeah, like, but. That doesn't sound natural. Yeah, that doesn't whatsoever. Sound right? Planning a birth, oh, planning the date of a birth, and and, and, and uh, yeah, baby out. Like, yeah, yeah, whew. and it just, it just didn't, it just didn't sit right with me. But I didn't have anywhere to sort of put it. Yeah. Um, and look, and, and I will say there is definitely, we're lucky in this in this time to have. The option of medical intervention because there is a small number of cases you know where a, uh, I have friends who if they hadn't had a hospital nearby would have died yeah. after their birth so I know that there is a, a place for it but um, the over medicalization of, of birth is is not something that I um, agree with mm -hmm. so that was kind of the beginning of me going oh okay that's interesting mm. and and then having a little bit of a look into it and understand what a doula was and and for those that don't know it's 
as Damien describes it, they're your <laughs> personal trainer for birth. <laughs> because it's like that. a marathon, right? You have to prepare, you 100%. have to train yeah. um, and be ready and be psyched and, and really believe in yourself. And in the moment, like you're running a marathon and there'd be times where you have this crisis of confidence you and you're quit. like, I can't, I yeah, can't do yeah, it anymore. Yeah. No, I can't do it. <laughs> and then there's people alongside you or in your head or, you know, at the finish line going, you can do it. Yes. You can do it, Alicia. Um, so that's sort of what a doula is for birth and what our beautiful, amazing shout out to Moran doula did for us was just incredible. And we did a hypnobirthing course with her, um, which really gave us a lot of tools and strategies for the birth, but also a lot of, um, education about how to make informed decisions, um, how to really be critical with research that's being quoted to you um like you know if you're past a certain age and you go past a certain time in your pregnancy the risk is doubled that your placenta will deteriorate but when you look at the research it's from like and I, I, I know I'm going to misquote the number, but That's you get the idea yeah. <laughs> 0.001 to 0.002, you know? So it's yeah, just so it's, insignificant. But then this it just brings that fear response yeah, exactly. into yeah, women yeah, yeah. and um, they're not informed. And it's not a story that is told or yeah. a conversation that you, tends to happen. There's just complete trust in the doctor. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, the hypnobirthing was about that and about, you know, lots of affirmations and, and meditation um, in the lead up to the birth. So we did still choose to have to have a hospital birth. That was where we were ready to be as a yes. team yeah. and where our comfort levels were given the huge learning curve that we had through the pregnancy. Mm. Um, and so we there was challenges that we came up against that Damien protected me from he kept me in this safe little bubble and him and Moran had some really tough arguments with first with the doctor when he without my consent put me in for an induction wow Um, and then without my consent um, because first births usually go over that what is the expected you know 40 weeks which is such an arbitrary number really Um, And you know, up average. to 42 weeks, exactly. So up to 42 weeks is completely normal. And Finn was 40 plus 11 days and they were getting nervous mm. and they had booked me in and I didn't know. And That's so crazy. Started, so what, you just got a phone call being yeah. like, um, yep. so we're expecting you yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. You're no, 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 now. <laughs> we're, we're, you're supposed to be here now. What's what? going on? And totally grilled Damien. <gasps> this like... It's not about you and your choices. It's about the life of your baby. Like this kind of shit. Yeah, just completely fear-based. Of like, your baby is going to die if you don't succumb to this plan. Yes, because timeline. And this, and what I recognized, and and speaking to some other women, Mm. was that there was this kind of insidious sort of message that you're broken. Yeah. Yes, you, you don't woman, know what's going on. You are not capable of birthing this child. And they didn't say those words, but just, just little things. That's the like underlying that. message, though. Like, but I can, you know, I can, as I'll the doctor. I'll be your Exactly. You'd and be completely lost without me yeah. and, and what I have planned for you. And mm. so I had an amazing birth. And it was, I labored at home for most of the time. And it was, it was rough like it was hard but so it was 
running a, you know, a marathon. And Damien says, you know, for um, if someone were to say to you, I just ran a marathon or I just did an Ironman, you'd be like, wow, that's amazing. You've yes. trained so hard. It's so cool. But if a woman's like, I, you know, I, I had a completely, you know, intervention-free birth, they're like, oh my gosh, that's, that's terrifying. That's, yeah, that's yeah. terrifying. Are you crazy? <laughs> oh. um, but I could see that the way that the system sees birth is mm. that, like, so the medical model is great for when people are sick. Yes. When people need intervention, when they need help. And in some small cases, like I said, you know, women need that intervention mm. to keep them safe, to keep them and their baby alive. Um, but not most. Yes. And the way that the medical model has kind of taken over birth, and when you look historically, is just awful what was happening to women where they were completely drugged up, kept in hospital for days, their babies yanked out of them and kept separate from them in another room. Yeah. And all of that just goes completely against everything the natural way. Yeah, everything that is natural when it comes ah, to birthing. Yeah. And so how do you feel like you kind of, was it through the doula that you were capable of really reconnecting to yeah. what birth should be like? Yeah. Because in a sense, yeah. I can fully see how, and I'm really lucky because I've had these beautiful examples, mm. um, and comparing what the medical system does versus mm. what, a natural or a much more natural birth looks like yeah it it really had me see like wow this is really messed up the fact that you're on drugs when your body yeah. actually has a very beautiful natural response of oxytocin yeah and all of this other like like soup of hormones yeah. being rushed through your body to allow you to yeah. release to allow you to connect to your child yeah and then for that in, in a medical system for that baby to be then taken off of you and put into a bed separate from mm. you sometimes even just in a whole other room when in reality like that time is the time when the baby needs to be on your chest <sighs> feeling your heart it yeah. just got taken out out of you out <laughs> of your belly and so it really yeah. it it doesn't make sense for me mm. whatsoever that it would be so far from the natural reality of things like it it almost seems like it was like I'm, I'm, I'm a little suspicious in a sense of the yeah. system and so for yeah. me it literally seems planned in a way yes. that it would be as far away as possible from what actually connects us to one another and connects us to the yeah. vibration of love and so then it, be, it does become a necessity to have yes. that intervention because it's almost like if you've gotten to the point of birthing your baby in a hospital it's too late already yeah and you and you have no awareness of the power of yourself as a woman and the, the importance of having that skin to skin, of having an mm. environment where you feel safe, of, of releasing all of those fears that you've carried from all, you know, all the women around you yes. and all of, you know, how maybe how your birth was, yeah. um, which likely if it was in the last 150 years was probably not great, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, or less likely to be completely natural. So there's yes. all of that stuff that you're holding. And if you're not aware of that and releasing all of that, then you're being set up to fail almost. Yeah. And yeah, it's yeah, more yeah. luck by luck if you're still able to, with all the odds against you, yeah. have that natural birth. Mm. Um, to be empowered for, in your process. I think it's something like 5% of women, 5 to 10%, it's a small number of women have intervention-free Near birth. Births. Yeah, and because even then, yeah. honestly, for me, before meeting you guys, mm. I 
I had never ever even conceived of a birth happening outside of a hospital. Like I, I remember hearing of, of a home births and for me like that the image that I have of that is like or that I had in yeah. the past was of this woman bleeding out and just just being like absolutely traumatized and, and completely left on her own mm. and not being able to do it basically. Yes. Just almost being like an inch away from death yeah. and her child as well. When in reality, so irresponsible and yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. so selfish, irresponsible <gasps> and self, or, or, or um, that it would be, it would only ever happen by accident or because yeah. someone didn't have access to that. Yeah. When in reality, like, like because of that story, in a sense, it created in me this idea that the only thing that was responsible, the only thing that was safe, was to have. A hospital birth and and to have all of those doctors around you making the decisions for you mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. the the image that I had of a woman giving birth on her own was one that was like um, yeah just full of of trauma yeah yeah and and, and terrible yeah, exactly yeah. and and how arrogant of us to think that in this last you know since since medicine you know since the medical model has come to being that we have it right yeah that all you know how how has the human race existed and continued to procreate without the medical model yeah. um pretty successfully i would say yeah yeah literally <laughs> and we would have died out hundreds of thousands of years ago if birthing it's if a woman so... birthing on her own was not possible oh my god it's so crazy right but mm. that now we've got it right yeah now yeah. we're here to come yeah. to the rescue yeah, yeah, yeah. for women. And, and in a sense, people survive. Like, children probably do survive more than if, if there were no medical system. But at the end, we're all so fucked up emotionally yeah. because we don't have that, yeah. that initial connection mm -hmm. with our mother, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that there is actually so much more trauma being induced in that birthing process, which is such a huge part yeah. of our lives. Like, our entrance into this world yeah is a huge hugely impact as yeah. much as it's i mean it's probably even more impactful because it's so ingrained into our unconscious mind hardwired in there it's hardwired mm. in there we do not have we we have very little access to it yes. when it comes to rewriting that narrative yes. so it's like that that first story that we have coming into the world is actually hugely impactful yeah. when it comes to the way that we create bonds with one another exactly. like it's yeah yeah i can really really see that this new generation of, of mothers mm. who are taking that, that birthing story into their own hands and yeah. into their child's hands as well. Because I'm sure that if that child could speak, it would 100% say, I want to be with my mother. Yeah. I want to come out into a slightly dark room yes. and just be held by it's my mother as I cry. Yes. Yeah, I just want to feel safe. Yeah. I want to feel held. Yeah. I don't want to be rushed around, rushed out of the, rushed out of the belly put into this room separate from my mom and and yeah. not feel her be with me because she's on drugs yeah like, yeah and how that then those drugs interrupt the natural flow of hormones that start the letdown and breastfeeding yes all of that yeah. stuff it just it just makes it that bit harder mm. and I've seen women who do have positive birth stories of of where intervention um at the time has been necessary or they've planned for that intervention. Um, and as I've, you know, I had my second child mm -hmm. and just talking more and more to other women about their birth experiences, I've 
what I've realized is that it's not about having the birth that I had mm. or the, you know, ha- you know, some people who have had home births might think, oh gosh, to be in a hospital, no way. And mm. so it's all about where, in my opinion, where women and their partners and, and you know, the, the mothers or the, the women that they're going to have around them in that birthing experience and the people that they choose, like a doula or a midwife. Because yep. with Charlie, my second, I had, was at the midwife program um, and I had my doula again, um, Moran there, that it's about being informed and empowered. Mm. And if you being informed means that you choose a certain way, um, then that's amazing. Yeah. Then you feel no that empowerment no matter what way. Mm-hmm. Um, but to feel that you're broken, that you're incapable, that there's only one way and that includes intervention. Otherwise, you know, I had a friend whose doctor said to her, this baby's not coming out. It's too big. It's too you big. You can try. <laughs> you can try, but we're going to need to have a cesarean. That's ridiculous. Is what a doctor said to her. Yeah. And that's not the first woman I've heard tell that story. And mm. maybe there is a small, small mm. percentage of women out who there in the world who maybe uh, have something with their pelvis that in in the past may have died giving child giving yeah. birth. But not that many women, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to, for that to be the story, then that is taken in. And then it's like, well, what does that then say? Like to yeah. a woman who we're built to birth Yeah, literally. Babies. The body That's... is so incredibly intelligent. And so it, it, it really robs us in a sense from this idea that, like, I mean, we don't have to think about pumping. Like, we don't need a doctor to to beat our heart we don't need a doctor to breathe our lungs or to allow our lungs to breathe and so like this idea and we didn't need the doctor to form the baby in our bellies (laughs) so it's like this idea that yeah our our the baby would grow in our stomach and then that we wouldn't we'd be able to do that but then wouldn't be able to birth it Mm. is it really like there's so much dissonance yeah Totally. It really, really is. But with part of my learning was really taking on that belief that I am capable of the birth and that it's, in the one sense, it, it is just going to happen. And mm. my, um, one of the, I had a few affirmations that I would tell myself a lot and that were stuck up all around the house oh. in my pregnancy. Um, and one was about the, the my, my body and my baby know what to do. Yes. It was one of the affirmations. But it's, you, you're required to be in a certain almost meditative state mm. to switch off the chatter to, to allow your body to do that. Because if you've got the chatter mm. and you have that fear, what that fear does to your body is it tenses everything up. Yeah. It stops the flow of the oxytocin yeah. that, that brings on the labor. It, it stops that. That's why we often see labors that slow down or stall and then it's like the baby's heart rate's down you know we've got to get the baby out get the baby out but when I've heard stories of women who in those experiences have have you know switched back into that emotional brain and had people around them that have been like help them to to be calm help them to almost meditate or be like with hypnobirthing being that kind of hypnotic state then the body takes over again and then it knows what to do but if you're there's one of the we watched a lot of videos when we were in our first pregnancy and just ways of learning and hearing stories of birth and someone was saying 
How would you feel if you went to go and do a poo? And there was, all the lights were on, the door was open, there was a doctor in there, people are coming in and, how are you going there? You doing well? <laughs> Is that going to be a very successful poop? No, it, it'll probably take you an hour and a half <laughs> instead of five minutes. Yes. You're just going to, oh, oh, yes. oh my God. Oh, there you are. Oh, no, I'm, I'm still trying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's very similar with, with birth. Yeah. And having to give yourself that, that space to, to release the baby. 100%. Yeah, and that makes so much sense then that mm. women would go through 12-hour birthing process or even more than 24 hours mm. because there is all that fear and that that holding on in a sense because there's yeah this idea mm. that you can't push through that it's going to be so hard and so difficult yeah. and so traumatizing to go through that yeah. and that you're needing all of this help yeah. instead of really surrendering and I mean yeah. I haven't gone through birth so I, I don't actually know what it feels like in that moment I'm sure mm. I'd be probably quite maybe not excited yeah. <laughs> maybe not nervous <laughs> but excited <laughs> but like yeah. it would be difficult but then mm. the the being supported I'd want to be supported into further surrendering mm. into the process instead of feeling like I needed more medication or pushing harder like really kind of like this masculine approach in a sense instead of having like that beautiful yeah. feminine approach of just like okay relax into it breathe yeah. trust yes. trust that your body knows what's, yes. what it's doing trust that your baby knows what's happening yeah. and that this is this is a beautiful dance it is and that that exactly. all of it is unfolding and all you need to do is just be there and hold space yes for it. exactly said so well mm -hmm. and and that your baby they know what to do as well Course. They're playing their part of course. Um, in this in they, this dance. They've grown from tiny little cells so do I. into full human. I know. So of course they know how to make their yeah. way out. Yeah. Yeah. It's just instinctual. It is. Mm. It really, really is. Mm. But I think on that though, mm. what's instinctual I think comes from our own birthing experience and yeah what we then do to our babies before they can consciously remember becomes their instinct. Yeah. So if we're we've sort of if we've lost that instinct because mm. we ourselves have as a baby had a traumatic birth or mm. a birth that's really removed from a more um, natural way then we have to kind of learn those instincts. Yeah, once again. Yeah. Exactly. Relearn them all, yeah. you know. And that's mm. what's so, like, honestly, I feel so incredibly blessed mm. to have had you women, especially, I mean, you, Holly and Beck, in yeah. my lives, and be able to be around not only babies for the first mm. time in my life, pretty much, but as well around mothers. Yeah. And to really, really be able to to witness that and mm. I think that it's it's absolutely no coincidence there are no coincidences in this life yeah and so I just feel tremendously blessed that I've attracted mm. that into my life so that I could rewrite that birthing story yeah because my birthing story was quite quite difficult my mother mm. was very ill at the time when I was um, yeah, when she was pregnant with yeah. me she had yeah. very intense fever and so I came I think more than two weeks two weeks early yeah <laughs> um whatever that means now yeah but i i came earlier than she thought i was going mm. to because she she had very very high temperatures and i came out and i i had fever and it was just it was quite hectic in a sense yeah. and um 
and I'm sure it was it was really scary for my mom to go through that mm. and to, to not feel good in her body to not feel yeah. well in her body yeah um, and so as you're saying that was my birthing story and so I carried that through for sure unconsciously yeah because it, it, it was ingrained into me yeah. and having had like the possibility of really really seeing women and I mean our friend Holly she she didn't go through the best the, the, not the best birth but she went through a very difficult birthing process yeah. although she had all of this this um, this knowledge around natural birthing yeah. and whatnot it wasn't yeah. possible for her in the yeah. end and she yeah. had to intervene and, and go to a hospital yeah. and completely change her approach to what she wanted that birth to be like yep yeah. but it's it's so nice to have seen three women who mm. were fully 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 empowered yeah. in their birth and all three went very differently yeah but all of them were so beautiful mm. and really the message that I get from that is that my body is so incredibly wise my child is so incredibly wise yeah and the power is in that yeah and so even if it does come to a point where there is this idea of like okay a home birth is not possible mm. then there is the option of going to a medical mm. system yeah but that even in that system mm. my body is still wise yeah and I am still I'm still wise my child is still wise yeah. and that is still where the power lies. Yeah. It does not lie in the, the, the doctor's mm -hmm. hands, no exactly. matter what they say. Yeah, and even within that environment, you can manage that environment and yes. yeah. create Work with it. Yeah, with the lights off and with the candles on and yeah. with the music playing and exactly. with only limited people in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, you can make it work. Yeah. You don't have to give in to this yeah. authoritative force that kind of that knows no better in a sense because I like it really is nothing against doctors mm. or anything like or the system even because that's how it was built that's how they were trained like they yeah. they fully believe that they need to be present in order for you to be safe like yeah. that's their conditioning yeah and so it isn't like none of them are to blame for mm. the way that they approach things but it's still like there is still this really profound accountability for me as a woman and for my partner whoever like mm. whenever that will come whenever mm. that moment comes for us to be able to have the power within ourselves yeah, yeah. and to recognize what part doctors or obstetricians they have a really important role in helping women in certain areas mm. of women's health mm. and but they're surgeons yeah their job is to cut open and fix things that inside fix things that are broken yes. right yeah and but a pregnant when, woman is not broken exactly <laughs> exactly um but when you know like our friend holly that was a a, a a route that they needed to take and they they were empowered in making that decision and they listened to little Yuka and mm. and to themselves you know and that was what was that was what needed to happen yeah yeah um, but when in the hospital that I had Finn the cesarean rate is 70% and so what's what's there's something wrong there yeah 70% of women do not need a cesarean no definitely not um, definitely not the world health organization i think says 10% 10 or 15% is what is acceptable yeah for a hospital yeah that's really crazy yeah. that's super high mm. that's super super high and i really wonder why well, what are the messages that this is a private hospital where the mm. obstetrician is the lead person in, oh, in the surgeon uh, is in the lead. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, it makes perfect sense. It's just that's the framework that they have. Yeah. 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 There definitely is like such a huge need for a shift in that. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And I just feel like, and I am so grateful for you being so open mm. to my story and to other women's stories and to see the importance of um, sharing those because yeah. that's what I feel really passionately about is is without judgment, without putting on my own, you know, what I believe birth should be, but just really trying to share my story as a positive one, yes. one without fear mm-hmm. and to empower women to educate themselves yeah, yeah, yeah. so that they feel some control over the process and believe, yeah, that it's possible. It is, exactly, yeah. To yeah. do that. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, thank yeah, you. I always, always love hearing about mm. your birth and, and your perspective on birth mm. because I think it is really, really, really important to share yeah. that and for, for all women who mm. are going to bear their own child and give birth, I think it's so important that we rewrite what the possibilities yeah. for what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. because there are alternatives mm. there really really are and and your birthing process can be so beautiful yeah so empowering and yeah. so natural and be amazing yeah without there being any kind of fear surrounding it. yeah 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 i, mean, I could talk for hours so <laughs> yeah i love it i love it because that's the thing it just it's so layered mm. i mean the birthing process is is related to life yes. as a whole literally that is where life comes in and so, of course, there's just so many facets to it. Mm. You could talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much for sharing about that. Um, and relating back to Beck and Holly, mm-hmm. I really wanted us to be able to talk about mm. um, this, once again, this huge shift that happened in your life a few months ago mm. where um, you and your husband, Damien, and your two children yeah. um, came out to this beautiful farm where my partner and I were also staying. Mm-hmm. Where we um, met you guys. Yeah, yes. yeah that's so true. That's yes. where, that's, oh, it seems so crazy because <gasps> it, right? just, it feels so natural for us to even be living together. I know. It just seems like we've known each other forever. I know. So to think that we just, yeah, in October? Yeah, in October. Yeah. 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 It's mm. mind-blowing. I know. But basically, you guys came out to this farm mm-hmm. pretty much out in the middle of nowhere to yes. live there for a month yes. um, because you had this desire for change in your life. Mm. And so I kind of, I would love for you to elaborate a little bit on what it was that, like the lifestyle that you have been living and what it yeah. is that you're, like, we're wanting to move towards and how yeah. that experience really pushed you guys in a sense to, to create that in your own lives. Yeah. Well, I guess firstly, our friends, um, Beck, Holly and Justin and now little Yuka and, and Maya. Yeah. Um, we'd only met Maya and Beck's tummy at that time. Um, we met those guys a few years ago. We were camping neighbours at a festival, a music festival, music art, you know, amazing festival awesome. Earth Frequency. called Earth Frequency. <laughs> and, um, we kept in touch and every year since then we'd been neighbours camping together and um, had spent, that was our third time visiting um, Moss Vale and the guys had come and stayed with us. Moss Vale's about four hours away from where we are. Um, and we just, in times before that, we just found such love and acceptance and peace there. It's mm. just, there's magic in that place. Oh, 100%. And in those people. 
And so mm. when we had decided that Damien was going to take three months off. So I've been off on um, as the stay-at-home mum, as the domestic goddess. <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, <laughs> since I had Finn, who was four in, just in December, just a couple months ago. And I was starting to go back to work one day a week. Um, but still, you know, we feel very strongly about being at home with the kids, at least in the first couple of years. Um, and not put them into daycare. That's a personal choice that we have and one that we're privileged to be able to live yes. out because yeah, um, so. from you know a financial perspective, Damien can contribute with his job in that way to support our decision to do that. So I'd started going back to work one day and had these new opportunities come up, which I felt really passionate about exploring. And he was like, well, how about I take three months off? Mm. And so he was three months off home with the kids which was amazing Mm. and then I was just working three days a week and during that time we thought well at Mossvale they have workaway people that come and stay and in exchange for food and rent they work Mm -hmm. 20 to 25 hours a week is the general arrangement and I was like the last time we'd stayed there which was I think earlier in the year maybe March or something like that Mm -hmm. um I'd said what if we did that? Yeah. What if we came for a month and um, Damien did the work? And what well, the arrangement that we came to was um, Damien would work his 25 hours. I had the kids and I was doing a bit of work um, with my other job and we would equally contribute to the yeah. food. So it was a really great arrangement. And I guess as the time came closer to our stay, because originally it was just like, we just love it there and we love Beck and Holly and and Justin and Yuka and we just, we want more time there. We'd always, whenever we would leave Mossvale, we'd drive away and the first thing we'd be talking about going, how do we get back there? When's the next time that we can get back there? We just loved it there. Yeah. And then as we got closer to that time, we started, you know, and Damien was off work and we started having more time together, the two of us and more time with the kids and less time in our heads worrying about work work and just all that other stuff we're like Mm. and also planning to airbnb out our apartment while we weren't here because we live in an apartment on the beach um we're like could this really be a reality that we never thought possible previously where (laughs) we could have a life on the beach which we love and won't ever want to give up but also in nature yeah, because we love camping, and you know, whenever we go on holidays where we're in the bush, we think, "Could we live here? We really want to live here, but we don't <laughs> ever want to give up the beach." And you know, yeah, we're like, "Well, we could have both, but we can't afford to have two houses. How mm. do we? Yeah, it's we want to work less, not more." And so we never really thought it a possibility. And then when we were Airbnb'ing it out while we were living somewhere, we were, we were staying at the farm. We thought maybe this is an, a possibility. Mm. maybe we could have it all in from yeah. our perspective you know we could live the dream our dream of having a place where we feel the earth under our feet and grow yes. our veggies and have chickens and space but also the waves that we look out of our window and see and, and the sand under our feet and um, the, the life that the beach brings and the energy that that gives so um, we went then with the intention of connection to our friends Mm -hmm. and to that beautiful place but also seeing is it really a life that we want yeah because I think we had a romantic idea of um 
a farm type life, whatever yeah. that was going to look like. But what would that be in reality? Yeah, to actually you work know? with that is yeah. completely different. Yeah, yeah there's like a lot of bugs and snakes and a lot and, of work to be constantly and a lot of work. Done. Yeah, yeah, and responsibility. And so we were really going with that intention as well to see is this really what we want? And when we were there, we realized that we do, that the kids loved it. And in the beginning, they were so scared of the chickens. We'd go feed oh. the chickens and the ducks and Charlie would be like up in my arms. <laughs> and then by the end, I was dragging her away because she kept wanting to feed the chickens. She'd like march down in her little gumboots oh. with the basket to, to collect the eggs. And I just saw this real change in them. And I thought we that responsibility that they can take, that they're capable of, mm. but that living in an apartment where someone else cleans the building pool and someone else does the gar- looks after the garden and someone else puts the bins out you know you don't have the same amount of responsibilities which is amazing but mm. it's also good if you're doing them because you're collecting the eggs that you're yeah. going yeah, to there's eat there's a sense of purpose behind it exactly um an intent so mm. we really got that out of that trip and then came back and um bought a forest house <laughs> literally what which you know a month later within the month (laughs) we bought um the forest house and so that was really amazing and so from that kind of perspective of where we want to live and um that we really that that connection to the earth Mm. which then I as a woman felt so strongly and so that's sort of from my family perspective and from, you know, where we want to live. But then for me personally, yeah. being around and then you coming in the last week as well and, and seeing Beck's sister, Lucy, and her mom, just being surrounded by this different feminine energy mm. and in such um, abundance yes. yeah. um, really shifted my thinking about myself and um, what I need from other women, but also what I need to care for myself and respect myself and love yeah. myself and not be so judgmental of myself, um, really came from you, you know this group of women yeah. and having these super deep conversations and really finding the strength in the feminine yeah. and the because I, I identify as a feminist and I see that we and this is certainly the case in my in my family with my husband and my kids that what women do is really important so important and is different to what men do but what has historically happened is that men who are in power who have control what they do is more important yeah in yeah, yeah yeah um and that women women's role in the family in the community in society is not of as much value because it it there's, what, there's doesn't less money, money. Doesn't. Yeah, exactly so yeah. my belief is that for me personally what i do as a woman in being at home with the kids has as much value as what a Damien's perfectly complementary one could yeah. never like one couldn't exist without the other yeah and i'm also acknowledge that i'm in a privileged situation both because of where I live, because of the color of my skin, mm, you know, yeah, that I have the privilege of choosing this life yeah, yeah. and that for a lot of women, that's not an option. And certainly for women before us, they've forged the way in needing to step up to what the man does yeah. um, in order to 
gain respect create, and respect and, and allow for my generation to have more of that choice and to really come into our power as, as women and and feminine beings mm-hmm. um, but to see from those guys the strength in that feminine energy was just so beautiful and amazing and I felt so nourished for I mean physically nourished because they yeah. eat all this amazing <laughs> food that's from their garden and from their farm and, oh, yeah. and just in abundance and the mm. the importance of that in that life is amazing but also for my heart and my soul that that nourishment um and confidence in yeah. in my self and in the, my feminine self yeah and its um, needs and desires yeah. and how that can be fully respected and addressed mm, mm. in the same way as your more masculine needs for job whatever yeah that they would they would be equally acknowledged yeah. and acted upon yeah mm. yeah so that was unexpected yeah um because it wasn't an intention that i had going in or an expectation yeah. that i had uh it was something that kind of happened to me and damien said that I was um, more amazing. He, he was more in love with me than the, the the woman that he first fell in love with. Wow. So, and I certainly felt that like the best version of myself. Yeah. Where know? do you think that shift was? Like if you can kind of pinpoint different aspects of yourself that you really feel have shifted mm. from the before and after. Yeah. So I think definitely a... Um, a different view of myself, less critical mm. and more accepting. And that came from being around women. And, and I can't speak for them. I don't know what insecurities they may have for themselves. Yeah. Um, none of us are perfect. Mm. Um, but I certainly felt completely accepted and with all my flaws yeah you know yeah or what um, we've been told are flaws yeah well mm-hmm. that's and that's it they're just part of me it's yeah. not that it's a negative thing right exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. the language mm-hmm. <laughs> that's huge. Were talking before. um but just a just feeling of compassion and acceptance um that i could be um i want to say a true my true authentic self but i felt like it was a different version of myself a Mm. new version of myself that I was sort of struggling to to come to terms with being a mother and um not having my identity in the work that I did for so long and still trying to hold on to my pre-kid self in a way Mm. even though like consciously I'd be I'd say and and the story that we're you know told as women you you know you're an, it's awesome that you're a mother now and you're, you know, love the difference that your body, the differences in your body and it's a bit saggy or it's a bit, it's, I don't know. Yeah, it's you know, different. It's, it's different, it definitely right? It looks different, yeah. But, and I would say that, yeah. but I would still be pulled back to these old patterns of, well, if I just look the way that I did before if I had kids, you know, if I'm just eating the things that I ate before I had kids, that's when I'll be truly happy. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. This, that's like, when you'll be able to accept yourself and really love yourself. Which is just yeah. such bullshit. And just settle for that story for yeah. now. You know? Yeah, and that in the meantime, I'm unfulfilled. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? 
Um, <laughs> it's not a way to live. Exactly, but I just didn't recognize it. And yeah. so that was a big thing for me in feeling that complete acceptance and love without needing to look a certain way or dress a certain way. Mm. I really I really realized that it's all about it's all on me. Yeah. That I'm the one that has to start with that self-respect and self-acceptance. Because coming back to the Gold Coast, it was such a contrast. Mm. Looking around me and suddenly comparing myself again to other women and comparing myself to my old self and just being stuck in my head and just Mm. criticism and self-criticism and loving the idea of self-love and self-respect. But how? Exactly. Practically, how do you do that day to day? So true. And I think Mm. what I then learnt was to see myself and... I remember coming back in a couple of days after I'd been back and went and did a Bikram yoga class or a hot yoga class and uh, seeing myself in the mirror and being like, you're amazing. Look at this body. Look at what it has. Look how it has served you, as in the reflection of me in the mirror. (laughs) Um, It has served me so well. It has carried and birthed my two beautiful children. It has taken me around the world. It has taken me to all these amazing places and I've done all these amazing things. Like that's how I respect myself, by telling myself that. Yeah. And then as an extension of that, by being mindful about what I eat, respecting my body enough to put into it things that are good, things that are nourishing, not things that will make me skinny again. Exactly. Or things that will restrict me and make me miserable. Because that's the thing as well is that sometimes the like the intention that we have behind what we eat is is the effect that it has on not only our physical body but our emotional body. And so if you're eating healthy, but in a sense you're telling yourself that you're eating healthy because your body is not acceptable the way that it is, you best believe that if that's not a healthy habit. Exactly. The healthy habit is actually like you're saying, having that love for your body, witnessing how incredible it has been and how incredible it is today yeah. now in this moment how it will continue to be yeah. good to you because yeah. you are good to it yeah and and having that relationship of, of love yeah. and acceptance yeah. is so much more powerful than it could ever be to force it into submission force it into a state that it's not in yeah because then there's just imperfection which is seen as not acceptable or that I'm always striving for something else. And then in doing that, like, I'm always, my head is always into that future. Yeah, instead of being in the moment now. The future and being in the like, past. Of, like, trying to hold on to something yeah. that no longer is. And thinking, all of those people around me loved me. They loved me. And they were mirroring that back. So I'm getting a bit emotional about it, thinking about it. But um, the things that I would say in my head, I would never say to someone else. Yeah. To someone that I love, even to someone that I didn't like. Yeah. So what? I can't say that to myself. Yeah. I have to practice that same respect yes. and compassion mm-hmm. to myself mm-hmm. that I'm doing to all of these people around me and who are doing in return to me. You know. Exactly. But what's this like bullshit of having these unrealistic expectations on ourselves and? I know I can't speak for all women, but I'm sure that there are a lot of oh, women who... Majority, definitely. Because what our value has been in how we look. Yep. In Reduced how to that. we care for others. Mm-hmm. Um, 
as in men, or, you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and children. Exactly. That's where our value Figures is. of authority. Yeah, exactly. And, Definitely. Um, Not within ourselves. It's like we, we're, we're constantly taught to yeah, look a certain way, act a certain way, speak in certain ways, because that's what's yeah. attractive. Yeah. And so there's this constant, it's like we've internalized this voice of self-criticism yeah. that just makes us believe that nothing is ever good enough. Yep. When in reality, like it's so, it's so crazy because I fully relate to that, how it, it can be so easy to show up for other people mm -hmm. and to shower them with love and shower yeah. them with acceptance. Yeah. But then it's like the, the, the huge challenge that I see in, in myself and in everyone around, literally everyone around me yeah. is being able to, to do that for ourselves, yeah. being able to, to internalize that voice of love and, yeah. and to have that relationship with ourselves, with yeah. our bodies, with our minds. Yeah so difficult yeah. Yeah. that I'm that I'm good enough yes that I can just be content in this moment mm. with who I am and what I look like and, and what I do and yeah. that that's fine yeah and just be like even saying that this, this sort of this almost hesitation in my voice to actually say that out loud. Yeah, it's so crazy. It's hard. Yeah, we've been so deeply conditioned in a sense to think that being good to ourselves is selfish. Yes, yes. It's so crazy. Like, I mean, just listening to people talk or, or um, the body language even, yeah. it's like there's this, this huge resistance towards yeah. self-love. It's yeah. like this idea of like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to brag or I don't want to be cocky mm. or I don't I, like I don't want to sound ridiculous but none of it is ridiculous like yeah. it's actually like it's so incredibly empowering and through being that mirror for yourself you're so much more capable of, of showing like that showing up like that for other people yes. yeah it all starts from within it really 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 Definitely. does but going back to that intergenerational mm. stuff that I carry as a woman in my family that's not what the women before me would no, have no, done. No. Yeah, you know, not. they were martyrs almost. Yes. Um, it's victimhood. Yeah. Yeah. And how then, if the role models aren't there, and I know, and I know my, you know, I can't speak for women, and certainly culturally, there's a lot of influence that we. It's collective, have. whether it be ancestral yeah. or societal. Yeah. All of it. It's it's just it's in the collective. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but I'm sure that my story is not an, a unique one. Um, That's why it's so powerful to share. Yeah. So, so powerful. Because I think if you recognize that and that you're not just this passive vessel that has had experiences and therefore you, you just are, but that you, to an extent... And by understanding those those experiences and what has been put onto you or in you mm -hmm. from your mother and your father and their mother and their father and all of yeah. the ancestors, that you it is possible to to make those shifts Definitely. with the right in the right environment with the right people. Yeah, there's a lot of factors because I, I I certainly don't believe that it's possible for anyone to make the most of the situation you know yeah, for anyone to be a, a successful well successful in yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is success? Uh, um, that our history and you know potentially trauma does limit 
in a sense, mm -hmm. our, our Especially our choices tools, and our, yeah, our the tools that we have exactly. in response to our traumas can exactly. definitely yeah, limit us in our ability yeah. to decide for a free and an empowering life. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And and yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You've been just such an inspiration surrounding that, honestly. Because like I mean, if there is one theme for this conversation that, that mm -hmm. I see is really like this, this theme of, of shifting mm -hmm. and of growing out of old patterns and stepping into yeah, the best version of yourself and, and witnessing and having appreciation for where it is that you come from, where it is that you came from, what where you started off. And and seeing that that wasn't fulfilling like this mm -hmm. this desired life of of yeah really being free within yourself to yeah. love yourself to love others and to live a life that is fully nourishing in every way that you know that you could be nourished yeah and yeah and it's just so so again so incredible for me to be able to have that example of my life too mm -hmm. and I'm just in such awe of you and Damien <laughs> because the life that you live is mm -hmm. a huge inspiration. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to me, he's my partner, and it's just, yeah, it's really, really incredible to be able to share this amazing new chapter of your life yeah. with you guys. Oh, it was such perfect timing, and look, for, and thank you, that mm. is really lovely and means a lot, and for you guys, you create that space for us to really realise that there's some awesomeness here. You oh, there's know? so much awesomeness um, here. Because, yeah. you know, we can, and again, like we were saying before, you know, that like feeling uncomfortable about being confident and boasting. Yeah, we're doing all right. We're, yeah, we're pretty you're, cool. You're just <laughs> more than that. Like, that is so mild compared to what it could be. Because yeah. you guys are doing freaking awesome. Mm. Like, what you are doing as parents, as partners, mm. as humans in this yeah. life is just really 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 amazing yeah. really amazing but that you guys say that and it means so much and that you are observing that and also coming into our lives where you know at this time where there is all of these shifts and these transitions that without you here without the people that we would trust to be in this space and to be part of our children's lives and to have influence over them um would be a little scary yeah, I think, you know, like me going back to work a bit more and thinking, well, who am I leaving my child with? Yeah, um, yeah. I know who I'm leaving them with. Like, she left with Jorge this morning. <laughs> with She's a little so home. happy. She was marching off to go and get a smoothie with Jorge. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye, Leela. Bye-bye, Mama. <laughs> just like that. that. Just, my heart just bursts with, um, with, with all the emotions, with love, with, with excitement, with, trust yeah uh, that couldn't have happened if it, if it were otherwise yeah yeah, yeah. yeah definitely mm. and I think it's just such a beautiful experience mm. for the two of us as well like mm. we we haven't really done any kind of au pairing long term I mean yeah. with my Reiki teacher um we were helping her out with her children yeah. for a couple of weeks yeah. But it was a completely different kind of environment and it was months ago. And so for the both of us to really be trusted in your home alone with your with sometimes both of your children, sometimes just your daughter, yeah. has been so incredible for the two mm. of us because not only do we get to learn from your parenting mm. style, but then we also get to kind of implement it. Yeah. And both of us like absolutely love children and, yeah. and know that one day we will be parents yeah. as well. Yeah. And so it's it's so beautiful to be like we, we constantly joke that 
you guys are future versions of us. Yes. Basically. And that, that we get to learn so much from one another because yeah. you guys are getting to see the younger versions of yourselves yes. in us and how you can bring that back into your life in a sense. And we get to to be fully inspired and to, to soak in so many so many teachings around what it is to to grow in a long lasting relationship, mm-hmm. how to how it is to really be anchored into your individuality and to your needs yes. and and what you want your life to look like mm-hmm. and how to be able to create that dream and and being a parent. There's so many things yeah. that go on forever, honestly. I'm like, this list is getting long. <laughs> but it could literally go on yeah. and on and on and on because mm-hmm. it really is like that that kind of beautiful exchange where mm-hmm. it's just so nourishing on a soul level that we get to be there for one another and, and to be that reflection yeah. in each other's lives. Because she, that was the other thing about being at Mossvale and why you guys are here now. Yes. Opening us up to having someone live in our space. Oh, yeah. Having an all pair, having a workaway person. That was never on our radar before. And partly we had lived in a smaller two-bedroom apartment, so it wouldn't have been possible yeah. with the kids and for everyone to be in the space. Um, but that it just never occurred to us. And... I kind of felt nervous about what would it be like to have someone else living in my home. Yeah. Um, but being at Mossvale and for us being those people to yeah. hold back in and just how lovely they are in opening up their home. Like I instantly felt yeah. at home in that home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this kind of exchange of just love and, and space and, you know, food and mm. us hanging the washing out for each other and just immediately fell into this beautiful um, dance, I guess, yes. if you like, of living in another space. And then meeting Jorge to begin with and then meeting you um, later on in our, in our stay and being like, wow, this, it's not just then about bringing someone into our home to spend time caring for our children or, or doing the dishes or, you know, the laundry, but that there's so much that we can exchange on a personal level that really we left there and we bought a forest house and we started looking for a workaway person Um, and just amazingly the way that things worked out you guys were the first people yeah to stay with us Um, yeah and you've set the bar high yeah that is for sure (laughs) i mean 100 percent. i fully believe that you two would without a shadow of a doubt attract only amazing people Mm. But definitely, I think both of us really witness how privileged we are to be, um, yeah, the first ones to yeah. kind of share, share that space, to share that experience with you guys. Yeah. Because I do, <laughs> not to be cocky, but. <laughs> well, yes, to be cocky. Yes. Please. Yes. Yeah, exactly. To be quite proud. Yes. Of how we are in that role, in a sense. Yes. Like, I really do see that there's so much quality that we do bring to the table. Totally. And, and that is constantly reflected by the people that are hosting us. Yeah. And I'm really, really happy because the bar should be there. Mm. The bar should be with that that deep, profound, soul-level connection. Yeah. And that trust should be there. And that that um, unquestionable help mm. should also be there. Like, the, like, we are so, so happy to support you in whichever way that we can. And... We're so happy to be around your children and to yeah. to learn from your parenting style and yeah. to show up in a way that you guys would be proud for us mm-hmm. to show up. Like all of that, that is where the bar should be. And that's yeah. how you continuously attract people that are on that frequency mm-hmm. into your lives. Because really, like, this is this is of such high value. It 
ease. Yeah, to allow someone into this, this space where you should feel completely comfortable and yourself and at home because it yes. is your home yeah. and completely trust someone. Um, because if you don't have that, that's like right at the bottom of the hierarchy of needs is that safety yes. um, and security and, and to have a roof over your head, which yeah. provides – which should provide that yeah but if it doesn't then we're, what are you left with no exactly it's really risky it you is. know it um, is yeah but you guys have really shown us that it's totally possible and completely comfortable and even in the three-bedroom apartment like yeah, imagine yeah. next week when we're in the forest house yeah. and the space yeah. that that will give and so um it's really helped us and just sort of little teething problems about how we communicate certain things mm-hmm. how we ask for things yeah 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 um, yeah exactly and how you guys are really good at sort of feeling that I don't even know what I want but it's like oh you've given that mm-hmm. in when you've gone and bought filled up the jars again at the box <laughs> or or just since you know we come home and you're just giving us that time with the kids that I didn't even realize that was something I was asking for yeah but you guys kind of sense that and and Probably you want to have a bit of a break from the kids as well in the day. So. Yeah, I was like, oh, I didn't know I was doing that for her, but I guess that works. Yes. <laughs> I'll take it. I was definitely thinking about you. Yes. <laughs> well, there we go. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what's so beautiful is that it feels so organic in yes. a sense. And yes. even in those moments where maybe there was some, some questioning around what your needs were, what our needs were. Like there's always that really clear and open communication yes. where we can just talk about things. And as Damien was saying before, like like to to ha- sit down and have that conversation before things get yeah. clear, before it, there is even is a point where yeah. the conversation is happening because there's something that's off. Yeah. To just have that, that, that openness mm. to be able to be like, okay, let's sit down and let's just talk about how everyone's feeling. Is there anything we can improve on? Yeah. That's, so amazing and that's how you have that any kind of relationship where you're sharing close space with like put her and I are going to be moving yeah and and more than potentially living with flatmates mm. which can't really afford a place for ourselves mm. through. but <laughs> um but that's going to be beautiful because we we've got so much experience already with um living with other people and having really positive experiences with that and having acquired those tools around um how to build that relationship and how to have that open and clear communication. In a sense, like, you guys have set the bar really high for us too, yeah. you know? So it's yeah. like it, go, it goes both ways where we're both looking to continue sharing our space with other people. Yes. And so it's, it's amazing that we can have really positive experiences mm. that allow us to know what it is that we want, how to get there, yes. and what it is that we, that we don't want, yeah. you know, yes. to have a really clear image. Yeah of what it is that we want to bring into our lives. And that really, that, that's what allows us to manifest it. Yeah, because you know this is, you've had really great experiences living in people's um, homes and sharing that space with them, and you know why. Yes. Is. Yeah, exactly. Like you can pinpoint, oh you know, God, yes, what definitely. it is about the way that you communicate, how you create that space. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah what you're looking for in others to create that and how if you don't feel things are aligned, how you can communicate in a you know, a mature, open, yeah. Yeah. honest way. Exactly. To um, get what you want.
you want mm. and for them to get what they want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For everyone's needs, mm. to be, needs to be met. Mm. You know, like having traveled in Australia for a year now mm. and mostly, well, pretty much always living in other people's space, whether it be in a larger community or in people's homes, really like taking the time to kind of like list out in my head what are the things that for me at least work and what are the things that don't really work and how to address the things that don't really work or how to know when a boundary has really been crossed and it's just time to not maybe not cross or what just whenever it's time to move on or whatever that is like I really feel that I've I've been so incredibly blessed to have those experiences mm-hmm. that have allowed me to gain the tools that I have now surrounding how to share space yeah. and how 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 that I can show up in a way that allows for that space to yeah. be created. Yeah. yeah. It's been so, so special. Yeah. So special. If you're in that, then you, you influence that. You have the power to, to influence that. And any kind of dynamic, mm. like you, you are where it starts for you. Mm. Like you're, it's never just outside of you. Yeah. Of course, it's always, it's always a dance. And so you're an active participant mm. in that dance. And so you very much have a say in how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we could talk for a while now, yeah. but it's just. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, I could just keep on going. I basically touched up on maybe like just a few things that I wanted to touch up on, but that's yeah. more than okay because I feel like yeah. depth is depth and quality mm. over quantity any day. Yeah, and I, it feels like just this lovely natural end to. Yeah, just I forgot about this. Right? <laughs> but that's so amazing. Yeah. Like I, I, I remember what you're saying. It's just, it's just Alicia. Yeah. There's, there's no need to be nervous or yeah. or anxious because in the end, it's just a conversation mm. with a friend. And I think that that's what's so powerful about it yeah. is that we really do get, get to just have this exchange that can then be shared with other people and they get to take the teachings that they want from it. Mm. And yeah, so I'm just so grateful, yeah. so grateful to have had the opportunity to dive back into these shared conversations mm. with you. And it had been a while. Yeah, and to have the time because I know we often chat but then it's time for bed or the kids. Yeah. So the things happening around yeah. it, but to really have like this beautiful little window of time mm-hmm. where we really get to dive into things that really matter to both of us yes. and that we know matters to the world, yeah. to the human collective. Yeah. To be able to share that is mm-hmm. really, really, really incredible. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Oh, so incredible. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Alicia. Thank and you for having me. Yeah. Lovely Leila. <laughs> <laughs> Love you. No. No. When did it stop? Oh well. When did it stop? After an hour and seven minutes. Okay. Okay. How much longer did we go after that? Really?